0: Hey, there we go. All right. I knew we'd get there eventually. We did it. (laughs) We did it. All right. Oh, welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 258, your once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Reb. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the Super Secret Chat and the even more Super Secret After Party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. I did all of that with a hair in my mouth. <laughs> nice work.
1: Thank you. That's this that's the mark of a professional right there.
0: Right. Didn't let it stop me. I, I felt it the entire time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. And Rhett also has his news stories open now. So wow. it's a show. It's
0: officially a show. How about that? Uh, Let's see, ARM is changing their license model that could complicate things for a lot of ARM partners, Google being chief among them. Uh, The EU gives final approval to the law that will force iPhone to switch their charging connector. And... DOOM! (laughs) Uh, But, first and foremost, I think we gotta start every show or start the show like we do every other show the right way. Rhett, what are you drinking two minutes after getting out of your car?
1: I know. Uh, and to top it all off, I'm out of beer. So I poured myself a, a little glass of uh, Jim. That's not little. that's pretty big. But uh, <laughs> Jim Beam <laughs> bourbon, everybody. <laughs> we'll go slow. Oh, <laughs> well, I was running in and it just splashed out of the bottle. So I've...
0: It's not like you're going to put it back once it's in there. I mean, no, Come that's on.
1: just that's just full talk there. So, right. And, exactly. you know, it's it's nothing special. It's it's Jim Beam. Neat. So. I, I,
0: I got nothing wrong with that. Nothing against that. Uh, I do have some beers. Uh, I'm actually not sure which one I want to go with first. Uh, so we've got. From Lerving Brewing in Norway. Yeah, all the way from Norway. This is the supersonic uh, double dry hopped IPA clocking in at eight and a half percent. So, gosh, I'm not even sure. Most of this is not in English.
1: (laughs) So it looks like uh, I can't really even tell you.
0: Yeah, it kind of like an exploding Mr. Meeseeks. Yeah, it's okay. They're fine with it. Don't worry. and then from Drecker Brewing in Fargo, North Dakota, I've got the Blacklight Syndicate double IPA. Uh, so I think I'm going to go Norway first. I think I'm going to go with that. Uh, not sure on the ABV on this one. Oh, 8.3. So they're eight and a half and 8.3. So but I think I'm going to go go Norway. You're going to rock with that.
1: That's the way to do it. I just saw a uh, Norwegian band on Saturday, so it's only nice. appropriate that you drink nice. a Norwegian That's beer. That someone who
0: was not there drink a Norwegian beer. <laughs> uh, just, just a little funny anecdote um, is the difference in our pints, because uh, the Norway one is slightly taller, because it's actually truly uh, 500 milliliter instead of the 16 ounce. So this is 16.9 ounce.
1: Oh, there you go. Ah, the advantage you know. of the metric system.
0: <laughs> For once, I'm I'm all on board the metric system.
1: They did it right, finally.
0: Oh, now it's a show. Like, I'm glad you got your notes up. But uh, now it's a show. Uh, let's see. Let's go through a little bit of the chat. And then I think we'll get this thing on the road. Uh, Greg's drinking a cherry Pepsi. Uh, Alvin says, first time catching the stream live, prepping myself a gin and tonic with some Brombay, uh, Bombay Bramble. Excellent. Oh. Uh, definitely like Bombay gin. Not a bad way to go. Uh, Biggie Big John's got a Brewdog Jet Black Heart Nitro Oatmeal Stout. Sean's got a Dogfish 90 Minute. That's always a fantastic one. Uh, Williams got a Hogshead 54 Brewery, Gilpin Black Gold, London Porter, 5.6%. I've not heard of any bit of that (laughs) beer, but I do like uh, a good porter. So uh, check in about how that one is. Uh, Let's see. Dean is drinking a Sam's Chocolate Bach. Sounds Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, Michael S. has Eggnog with a dab of rum. Matthews, enjoying a good glass of water. Nothing wrong with a good glass of water. Uh, let's see. Uh, off Infinity, Down East Donut Cider. Got some scotch on standby for later, though. Uh, as do I. I've got some scotch and also possibly some bourbon for the after party. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. And I think we'll do one more. We got Stefan drinking a Kraken Rum and Coke Zero. Always a solid combo.
1: That Coke Zero is pretty good. Yeah, um
0: Kraken is an interesting rum. Like it it works phenomenally well with a rum and coke, but it's one of the Blackstrap rums that I it's a blackstrap rum that I have a really hard time finding other cocktails that I really enjoy it in. Uh like where I wouldn't sub it out for another black rum. Like it's right. it's I have nothing against Kraken, but at the same time, every time I go and try to use it in, you know, like a, you know, you go Mai Tai and you try to go, you know, little lime and some white, black and, and, and spiced, um, it doesn't fit the flavor profile that well to match everything else. Like I said, I've got nothing against it, but it's one of those rums that I just can't find the best use for it other than rum and Coke. Right. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So, uh, now that it's officially a show, uh, let's get this thing started. Starting with uh, 9to5Google is reporting that ARM is going to be changing its licensing uh, model to prohibit the use of custom GPUs and TPUs on ARM-based components. Now this is going to get a little bit into the weeds. Uh but try to follow me. Um so ARM essentially lets people license their CPU for creation. You can build an ARM CPU to fit your own needs and uh you know rock and roll with that. Uh this is done all over the industry with people like Raspberry Pi using Broadcom, or or rather, back off from Raspberry Pi, Broadcom building ARM CPUs for mobile and embedded devices. Samsung with their Exynos processors. Apple with their M series, M1 and M2 based processors. Samsung makes their own ARM processors. Intel, AMD, NVIDIA all make their own ARM processors for specific scenarios. Uh, ARM is not... ARM is still kind of a general use computer, but it's a little bit more narrowed down, and it doesn't have as many instruction sets as, say, x eighty six sixty four, 64 And so you use it in more specific circumstances, or extremely low power circumstances is really where it's found its footing. Um, ARM also has a set of standards that the ARM... Uh, uh, I forget what they call themselves, Uh, the ARM group, I think it's the ARM group, um, has developed. And so they've they've gone through all of the work of developing the CPU and the GPU and the memory controller and PCI Express interfaces and all the instruction sets and all of the, the nitty gritty that goes into building a system on chip. They've done all that groundwork for you. Now, the way the ARM license works is you can use all those components, or you can modify them as you see fit. You can. There's no reason you have to use only the instruction sets that ARM includes. And so we see companies like Apple developing additional instruction sets. In in Apple's case, uh, basically doing a an x86 to ARM translation, live translation layer to give it backwards compatibility with x86 64 based software. Um, And that's totally allowed within the ARM licensing. Uh, Now, where this is going to start getting a little complicated is ARM doesn't just make CPUs from the traditional CPU sense. Uh, What they do is they have an entire library of of parts. um, And you can pick and choose what you want to put into a system on chip and then manufacture them yourselves. Uh, Part of the stack that they develop is things like memory controllers and graphics acceleration. Uh, That latter one is is what we're talking about here. Uh, ARM may be changing their license agreements. So if you license ARM as a CPU stack, you cannot use a custom or third-party graphics accelerator on that chip. Uh, and that may change a good chunk of the industry. Uh, currently, if you license an ARM CPU, you can use just the CPU components, and Qualcomm goes out and makes their own GPU. Uh, base acceleration. Uh, they have. Uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the Adreno. Qualcomm has Adreno. Uh, Samsung has Exynos uh or no uh uh oh yeah Samsung's working on working with AMD but also has their own Exynos graphics acceleration um Apple obviously famously built their own graphics acceleration cores uh and so there's a lot of companies out there that are utilizing ARM CPUs with custom GPU acceleration um under it says as soon as October 2022, uh, that cus- unless customers assume, uh, accept a new direct licensing for ARM, uh, they may be required to use. Uh, or no, sorry, that was part of the the statement. Where was it at? Uh, oh, here it is. Sorry, I was reading the wrong quote. Uh, to further, to apply more pressure, Arm further stated that Qualcomm and other semiconductor manufacturers will not be able to provide OEM customers with other components on SoCs, such as graphics processing units, neural processing units, image signal processors, etc., cetera, uh, because Arm plans to tie licensing of those components to the device maker CPU license. <coughs> um, and uh, that will likely take place over the next couple of years. What exactly does that mean? Well, obviously GPUs, we know what a GPU is. It's for GPU acceleration, graphics acceleration, rasterization, but 3D acceleration is used a lot on 3D phones or on phones for gaming or even UI elements have have 3D acceleration. Your your Android task switcher is a 3D accelerated application. Uh, So there's a lot of different use cases for GPUs and ARM is wanting to cut off third-party implementations of that. When you start talking about the server side, we get even deeper into the weeds because people like Google are building their own ARM processors for AI and machine learning, utilizing custom tensor and neural processing units for machine learning and AI accelerated tasks. Uh, Future licensing may exclude them from being able to do that. Uh, they also mention ISPs, image signal processing. That has to do with smartphones and camera technology. You know all the fancy automatic blur backgrounds and things like that. Uh, those are custom instruction sets being added into ARM CPUs to be able to uh, basically compute these images and, and enhance these images at the hardware level. Uh, that may go away if uh, if this licensing. Uh, proposal goes into effect. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this article is not once is Apple mentioned, even though it's to me it's kind of obvious that Apple does do a lot of custom things with with their ARM CPUs and their GPUs and everything else. Um, so I'm really curious if ARM is just going to turn a blind eye to that and go, well, Apple gives us more money than, than Jesus. So we're just going to let that one slide. But Samsung. <laughs> that sounds mm, legal,
1: right? <laughs> right.
0: Right. So interesting developments, and this is all stemming from an ARM versus Qualcomm uh, dispute over uh, Qualcomm's uh, acquisition of Nuvia, which is a uh, basically a manufacturer that is trying to produce desktop and server based CPUs with custom packaging Uh, so developing custom gpus and npus and isps and things like that but aiming for the desktop and server space which is where arm does make a lot of their money so very very interesting Uh, this may have some pretty long-standing and long-reaching effects on not just the mobile industry but the future of desktop computing because We've talked about this before. Apple moving into ARM on the desktop is opening ARM up as another alternative platform to x86, which x86 has had the stranglehold on the market since the Intel 8086. I mean, it's been since 1984 that x86 has been the dominant platform. Um, So interesting to see if that continues going forward or if ARM is going to be a significant threat. and. By all measures, Arm may be a significant threat sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. The article does say that Arm hasn't obviously publicly announced any of this. Like you just said, Mm -hmm. it was kind of all dug out of these uh, legal disputes. Um, But they have said that um, its response is coming. They did make a statement and basically said that Qualcomm's claims are riddled with inaccuracies and their response will come so who knows what that means i'm sure that uh you know just a little damage control while they sort out their own statement or whatever but
0: right yeah um so apparently yeah this is all dug out of legalese from that arm and qualcomm dispute and qualcomm might be trying to highlight some of that that dispute language or some of that new licensure language in that lawsuit. Um, so this was all pulled from a counterclaim in court that Qualcomm filed on October 26th. So again, this is not necessarily public knowledge, but it is a public court filing that has kind of prompted all of this this discussion. Um, you know, is ARM going to be leaning that direction? It, it, are the higher ups between Qualcomm and ARM already aware of these transitions? Um, there are so many different ramifications of this potential licensure change. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, there's a really good point at the bottom of the article that says uh, ARM intends to stop licensing CPUs as independent and standalone licensing, will no longer license CPU technology to semiconductor companies. So things like NVIDIA, AMD, intel qualcomm etc uh if you make semiconductors you won't be able to license cpu technology which is sounds like arm's entire business like arm produces cpus but their business is licensing cpu models
1: and i wonder how much of this is is hoping that people are just going to buy in with new licensing models you know whereas yeah, my line of thought is that somebody like Google could probably afford a little bit of a disruption to their to their uh, production line, and then they can just figure out how to make their own. Maybe they can't, but
0: right. Maybe. I mean, and we're we're sitting here talking about this. Meanwhile, Risk Five is over there going,
1: <laughs> <laughs> open a new space in the market. You know, uh, to quote
0: 1996 hackers, risk is good. <laughs>
1: For some reason, I felt like a hacker's quote was going to happen tonight. Yeah.
0: I mean, the over under on that is like, you know, two thirds of high. favors.
1: Yeah. Guys, his last hacker's quote wasn't even two hours ago, by the way. So. <laughs> wasn't it? I what, don't know. What, felt yeah. Like it was not that long ago.
0: Hack the world. Oh, I, that's right. I did do a hack the
1: planet. A hack, ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. hack the planet. Damn it. Hack the planet. Yeah, it was Uh, was like not that long ago. But granted, you know, I just saw you. So
0: right. And it has been a bit of a long day. (laughs) Uh, All right. Moving right along. The EU, European Union for those not in the know, uh, has given final approval to the law that will force iPhone to switch over to USB-C based chargers. Uh this is uh again a pretty pretty big deal as it's going to force Apple's hand one way or the other because some of the language of the new EU documentation is that you can't just include a USB-C dongle to adapt yeah. it over to your proprietary cable. Uh remember the EU uh almost a decade ago uh issued a a new law that said Mobile phones require to have micro USB, C or micro USB for charging. It was a requirement if you produced a mobile phone and sold it within the EU, you had to have micro USB for charging. Um, trying to reduce e-waste, trying to create standards, trying to uh, offer some consumer protections because honestly the technology for charging isn't that much more advanced than what they're asking for. Uh, so, uh, that went through, and Apple went. Well, hey, we're still going to offer Lightning because uh, we can always just include a USB-C to Lightning adapter in in the box with EU phones. Charge, you know, cost us like six cents per device. Yeah, and uh, we can keep all of our proprietary BS. And they went, "Dang it! Uh, well, this time around, the <laughs> EU has up. right. The EU has stated, no, 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 USB-C built-in." built-in USB-C and uh, this is going to be effective by the end of 2024 Uh, so within the next two years every single phone sold within the EU is required to have USB-C now here's the biggest question of all Uh, how much is Apple willing to throw up the middle finger to the EU and either number one just pay the fines uh, that come with uh you know lightning tie in um or number two produce an EU only phone that has usb c charging uh and then sell lightning to the rest of the world
1: right yeah that'd be funny yeah too bad I they wonder... force
0: laptops to the fragile usb c also um yeah but lap but New USB-C chargers can deliver 120 watts. Uh, yeah, and and USB-C is not that fragile.
1: Like yeah. my laptop <laughs> charges with the USB-C and it has a 65 watt charger. My and last I've had no issues.
0: My last three laptops have been USB-C only for charging, and I've had zero issues at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> compared nice. to what? Compared to the little Chromebook stubby barrel jacks yeah you you don't have a leg to stand on there
1: uh well it's kind of nice like if something happens to your charger too you can just go and literally get any any USB-C charging block and you're good to go yeah it's kind of interesting you know it makes you wonder how big of a market does the eu represent to apple because I wonder if there are fines baked into this, or if it's like you literally can't come to market with this, you know. And in which case, you know, yeah. do they do they deprive Europe of the iPhone or do they cave? I mean, I don't know, it right. seems kind of ridiculous either way, but.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of people are thinking that they're going to force <clears throat> wireless charging, which I think is the biggest mistake of all time. Uh, you know, hey, what's more convenient than USB-C? Having to carry a Qi charger around with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and by the way, wireless charging is not that quick. Uh, yeah. like 15, maybe 20 watts if you're really lucky. Whereas right now, USB-C is rated, like I said, up to about 100 watts. I think 95 is the official spec with 125 on the the very near horizon. Um, but, uh, as MacRumors states... Regardless of their manufacture, all new mobile phones, tablets, digital cameras, headphones, headsets, handheld video game consoles, uh, portable speakers, e-readers, keyboards, mice, portable navigation systems, earbuds, and laptops that are rechargeable via a wired cable with power delivery of up to 100 watts will have to feature a USB-C port. Uh, So if you plan on having a hard line charger, you have to have a USB-C port. Present on the device. Um, now, again, the out there is wireless charging, but I can't imagine Apple wanting to be the yeah. disgrace of the internet when it comes to charge times. Uh, yeah, and, and running through, you know, the media gauntlet of uh, you know it takes seven hours to fully charge an iPhone now, whereas I can charge a Samsung Galaxy and you know, you know. 85% full in 15 minutes, you know. Well,
1: and the other the other side of this, too, that I was wondering is, you know, about how big of a size of the pie that uh, does the EU represent is, you know, how big of a slap in the face of the rest of the world would it be if they go introducing the EU iPhone with, uh, you know, USB-C charging. Right. And the rest of the world still has the same exact thing, you know, they just. <laughs> yep. You know, how much does it uh, sink into their production to have to have that, that fork, you know? Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's useless speculation until we really know, but.
0: Exactly. And, and with Apple, who the heck knows? Uh, I mean, Apple's always the wild card when it comes to things like that. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, wait and see how, uh, how much Apple really wants to play ball. Uh, speaking of playing ball, uh, after, according to the register, after a spate of delays, Intel promises Sapphire Rapid Xeons for as early as January. Uh, so as little as two months away, uh, Sapphire Rapid Xeons may be making their appearance in the wild. That is, uh, gotta be incredibly exciting news to server manufacturers, people looking at purchasing servers, people wanting the, the latest and greatest. So this will be uh, Intel's fourth generation scalable, uh, for those who don't know. These are the uh, Sapphire Rapids that have been the 10 nanometer, but next generation giant chips. Uh, and we covered on the show... Uh, with Ian Cutrus just about a month ago, the existence of a Sapphire Rapids workstation chip based on Raptor Lake. Uh, And there's... I've certainly had in the back of my mind that as soon as Sapphire Rapids launches, I kind of wanted to see Intel re-enter the workstation market. But Sapphire Rapids entering the market has got to be the first step in that, right? (laughs) Um, But anyway... Uh, Intel on the Xeon side of things, for all intents and purposes, has been pretty darn stagnant for quite a long time. Uh, and so, yes, Cascade Lake was a little bit of a breath of fresh air getting to go up to... Uh, gosh, I think they had a... I'm drawing a blank on all of my Cascade Lake CPUs now.
1: Me too. Uh, dang it. Yeah, I hate when that happens. When yeah. We both blank on it simultaneously.
0: Uh, third gen
1: scalable.
0: Sorry, Ice Lake. Not 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 Cascade. Ice Lake. me soda. Yeah. No, the the ten nanometer Xeons. Um. <laughs> even though they had the introduction of of Ice Lake. Um, Ice Lake was originally introduced back in late 2019 as, you know, we finally made it to 10 nanometer. We can make 15 watt laptop parts. And that was kind of like the end of Ice Lake. Uh, (laughs) And then they finally made it to Xeons, like 18 months later. I, I think they came out middle of 2021 in earnest. and. They did offer up to 40 cores and 80 threads, but the performance just wasn't there. It it didn't wow, and it certainly didn't kick Rome off its, or uh, AMD Epic off its pedestal. Um, So, Sapphire Rapids, though, is supposed to be basically a ground up uh, revival of. Xeon CPUs, uh, latest and greatest Intel fabrication. And we're, we're still kind of waiting for confirmation on a lot of different elements, specifically when it comes to core counts, die sizes, et cetera. Um, there's got to be a bunch of that on the horizon, especially if we're getting this close to launch. Um, I would suspect we hear something at least by CES. Uh, So hopefully that turns out to be the case. But uh, we do know that uh, Sapphire Rapids will have DDR5-based memory, it will have PCI Express 5.0, and uh, lots and lots of upgrades for data centers. Uh, And again, specifically around PCI Express, uh, quite a few more lanes than... uh, than Ice Lake offered. I believe Ice Lake topped out at like 48 lanes, I wanna say. And I think Sapphire Rapids is rumored to be like 96. Uh, Still not hitting the 128 PCI Express lanes of uh, Milan and Milan X, but at least they're in the conversation again. And and again, kind of like we said for the launch of Ryzen in the first place, at least we're talking about AMD again. In this case, in the server space, even though Intel still cleans up in the server space, at least we're talking about Intel as in the marketplace again with high-end competitive silicon. So very excited for some news to happen there. Hell yeah. How about you, Rhett? You you waiting for some new uh, new home lab stuff? New uh...
1: dude, for sure. I've been wanting to get my hands on Sapphire Rapids, you know, since uh, well, shit, since since Ian Cutrus was on the show. I mean, just that man, you know, he he got me all excited about it. So yeah, I think we'll there's a lot to happens. be excited about. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, it's it's an exciting time to be a home labber.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Not that these
0: will be home lab affordable,
1: (laughs) Uh, but, uh, for them to hit eBay in seven to eight years. (laughs) Right.
0: Like, like, uh, Ian and I said, uh, when he was on just a month ago, um, we actually, when we did our Intel fab tour last December, we got to see a die of Sapphire Rapids. Now we had to extrapolate that because, uh, the, the PR people had kind of moved a little bit further on. And, uh, Ian and I stopped to watch this machine that was verifying uh or uh examining dies. And there was an engineer standing there, so he just poked a couple of questions and and we started, you know, counting cores and things like that. It's like, that's that's not ice like it's definitely not cascade. Like they stopped production on Cascade. Uh i I think this is sapphire. Yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, that's cool.
0: Got to see the wafer, probably as close as I'll see that wafer until until they hit eBay. (laughs) Uh. All right,
1: 45 folks watching tonight. Thanks for being here.
0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Uh.
1: Stirred up a lot of conversation with the USB-C.
0: Yep. USB-C is only the connector, not the wiring and capability. You're correct and incorrect. Um, The EU law, I believe, will state that it has to be capable of USB-C standards. And so at the very least, it has to accept the 5 and 9 volt standards. Um, But you can negotiate for, for fast charging, for... You know, your 15 volt, your 19 volt, and and even beyond. Um, so yes, there are some dumb devices that charge over USB-C that don't negotiate higher protocols and require you to have a dumb brick or a brick that understands the dumb protocol of just like positive and negative gives power, right? Uh, I have some devices like that around here. I've got uh, I've got a couple of handheld game consoles that I can't charge with higher power. USB C power bricks because it doesn't know how to negotiate with the power brick. Yeah. Like that seems absurd, but that's kind of where we're at. But I believe part of the EU standard, again, I haven't read the entire thing, but I'm sure it's going to include something somewhere about the standards of USB C charging protocols, whatever, whatever you're required to meet the standards of when you're in production. Uh They're trashing! Trashing our rides! They're trashing it.
1: <sighs> Not again. I, I see you.
0: <laughs> uh Powerball is one point two billion tonight. Home labable at launch is possible. It's very true.
1: Yeah, but he didn't buy any tickets, so Yeah, you got you gotta play the win? Win? win. When's the next one? Probably when do they do drawings for Powerball? Is it It was Monday. It's got to be Monday, right? So you gotta. I guess you I might thought it ask. was Wednesdays. I don't know. Let's
0: find out. Powerball drawings. Nope, Monday. You're right. Woo. <sighs> do I calm, gamble too much? Calm down.
1: Calm down. <laughs> wow, it's just. It, is that what I look like when I find things? <laughs> it's not dissimilar. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the meme of the guy in third place, like, biting his uh, medallion, spraying the uh, champagne everywhere. Janos uh, wants to know, anybody have
0: a thing for SGI machines from back in the day? Oh, everyone's got a soft spot for silicon graphics machines. Gotta got get that purple and that split case, you know? Heck yeah, I thing with Silicon Graphics is I don't know what I'd do with one if I bought one and it, it would just take up space. And and if I gutted one and made like a, a modern, you know, modern PC into a Silicon Graphics case, I'd be lambasted by the Internet for like, I can't believe you didn't keep it original. Like,
1: you know, I used to be that mindset, like, oh, it's got to be original, but I'm just not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember what flipped the switch, but some things aren't worth keeping original. Like for what sake, nostalgia's sake? We right. live in a world where functionality should come first. And if there's something that you can do to revitalize or give life, even if it's not its original intended use case, then why not? That's this more is fun. such. This is
0: such a hot topic, especially if you extend it to, like, the car community or, you know, collectors of any kind. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the old adage is anything gets LS swapped eventually, right? Uh, I have no problem with, with engine-swapped cars. I have no problem with, with retro or uh, resto-modding cars. You know, modern drivetrains, modern conveniences, modern reliability. Do you guys realize the explosion that we've had in precision engineering and manufacturing over the last 15 to 20 years? Uh, the reliability of just about everything as long as it's made well. I mean, there's there's also, you know, uh, planned obsolescence and, you know, creating weak points in your products so your yeah. customer will be forced to buy another one later on. That's a whole other conversation. But as far as... Uh, you look at, you look at, let's just take some car companies. Let, let's take, um, let's take Kia. Let's take Kia with, uh, gosh, 20 years ago, it was buy a Kia, get a Kia free. That's the only way they could sell the, the freaking what was it? The Kia Sophia or the, there, there were so many little cars that they tried to sell. Um, Oh, the Kia Rio. Yeah, it was the Kia Rio. Buy one, get one free, or buy a minivan, we'll give you a sedan free. Um, And they were garbage cars. I mean, just absolute garbage. Uh, And it was because that was the best that they could do at the time with the manufacturing technology that they had that they could afford to produce the cars to sell. However, if you fast forward 20 years... If you think about the explosion with 3D printers and the precision in in home machining that you can buy and have on your desk or, or have in your garage or things like that, you know, machines that used to cost tens of thousands of dollars now fitting on your desk and having just as much, if not more precision than their 20 year old, you know, industrial counterparts. When we're talking about tolerances of 0.1 millimeter, that's enough to ruin a car and and destroy engines and, and throw bearings and that kind of thing. Well, when the precision gets down to 0.1 millimeter or, you know, 0.01 millimeter, you go, oh, that's kind of impressive. But still, you know, eventually things are going to die. Things are going to get out of place. When you start getting into the 10,000ths, you know, the, the thousandths and the 10,000ths of, of a millimeter, you're talking about a level of precision that makes things last forever. And we've been kind of seeing that as far as engine technology goes, uh, for, like I said, about the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, You know, Toyota and Honda obviously were kind of the hallmarks of like engine reliability and these things last forever and do a million miles on a Honda or a Toyota or 90% of Toyotas are still on the road, you know, 20 years later. Now think of a car company that doesn't have a 90% record.
1: Right. There yeah.
0: there really isn't one. Uh, I mean, GM went through a renaissance. Uh, I, I think GM was the first to really change their reliability perception in the mid to late 2000s, um, where they started revamping everything. And a, a lot of that reputation came with the development of the LS engine in the late 90s. Right. But your car interior started getting better. The creaks and rattles stopped. They stopped killing transmissions. Dodge stopped killing transmissions. Uh, You know, Ford finally figured out how to seal an engine gasket, you know, or a head gasket so it didn't leak oil two years down the road. Um, You know, all all this precision machining kind of led to better quality parts. And we've seen that across the board you look at cars now and you look at something like a kia stinger or a hyundai Ionic 5 or cars that 20 years ago you'd go kia developed a, a twin turbo you know saloon really like that that thing's got to make like what 140 horsepower no it's 285 horsepower out of a twin turbo v6 and it's reliable as heck and then one of the best electric car makers today is Hyundai with the, with the Ionic 5. Um, so yeah, it, it's amazing. The level of machining that is possible at the industrial level, but we also see that kind same kind of thing at the home level with the development of 3d printers that are, you know, 0.01 millimeters accurate. The development yeah. of home laser cutters that are 0.007 millimeters accurate. By the way, craft computing water bottles, get onto the Patreon so you can figure out how to get one. Um, Damn good plug. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, <clears throat> Kia's legendary warranty wasn't out of desperation. It was a statement to the industry that we build cars that last. Yeah, Kia, uh, when did they start that? Like 2009 or 2010, 11, something like that, with the 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty. Um. You even look at you know Toyota was offering you know three months thirty six thousand, uh, Honda was offering you know fifty thousand and they were like insane and yeah some truck companies like Dodge and and things like that that would offer sometimes you know thirty six and fifty thousand mile warranties but Kia went no hundred thousand mile warranty ten year bumper to bumper, and uh, you're right it wasn't a, a desperation sales attempt like you know buy a Sedona get a Rio for free that's a desperation yeah. sales attempt this was a We're in it for the long haul. You can buy a car. It's going to last and we'll stand by it.
1: Yo, Springle says, I need to know why the Kraft water bottle is better than the LTT water bottle.
0: This one is not screen printed. It is laser engraved. Yeah. Stainless steel, double wall insulated. Uh, Right now I've got 22 ounce. Uh, We may work on a larger one later on um but uh also this is 100% designed and cut in house by me i designed this it's going on my laser cutter it is coming off my laser cutter it will be polished by me and then packaged and shipped by me that's what makes it worth it and it's just a darn good water bottle anyway i mean yeah yeah, we're starting with 22 Ounce. This is a, a trial run of the in-home merch creation. Uh, and uh, I'm opening this up to to Patreon and Floatplane supporters. So if you uh, uh, are interested in picking up a water bottle, uh, I will be sending out information probably either tomorrow or Friday. So make sure you're on one of those platforms so you can get uh, the most up-to-date information. Uh, and I will be opening up pre-orders here pretty soon. This will be a limited run, limited availability, potentially uh, some customization options inside of the pattern. Um, and uh, as one user who already has a water bottle will tell you, the pictures do not even come close to doing this justice.
1: Yeah, well, the one that went out today looks really good. Look, bomb. Really good. Right. Like I got the first one off the press, and I'm not complaining. But mm-hmm. the one that went out today, I, I had to dial some in. So, uh, yeah.
0: so yeah, uh, yeah, we 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 did give one away today. Uh, but uh, are you selling water bottles or laser printers? Uh, I'm selling water bottles. International shipping? Yes. We will be offering international shipping now. Unfortunately, it's going to be to order. Uh, which means, you know, if the water bottle costs 40 or so dollars and you're in Norway, it might cost like $50 to ship it because everything's coming out of Salem, Oregon, and it's going ground. So I hope you all can are in a place where you can get one or you can buy via proxy or something, but yeah. um, still $40 price point. This takes three and a half hours to produce one. So yes, $40 price
1: point. Um, It's going to be a lot of babysitting, a lot of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. hovering, making sure things go well. Right. We're looking at some possible ways
0: to accelerate production, but that's also going to cost more money. And so remember, I'm not like sending out this pattern and having it made and then getting a hundred back in. I'm making these myself out in my garage. So. Uh, Are laser printers the same bane to existence that inkjets are? Laser printers are a different level of annoyance. I will say less so. Uh, You still have the same issues with drivers and the same things like that. You've also got um, some companies with some very inefficient designs. Like, (sighs) HP, how many printers do you have to make in a year? And by that, I mean not just like produce but different models design how many different printers do you have to design in a year to fill your quota of being able to sell 35 different makes and models Uh, imagine if you put all of those engineering resources and made three and they freaking worked every time i hit print imagine how happy the industry would be yeah Food for thought.
1: You think with precision engineering coming as far as it has that maybe they would have solved this by now? They don't want to solve it. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the light bulb industry. Okay. Is there a shark
0: logo somewhere near said laser cutter asking for a friend? No. Shark logo.
1: Shark logo. Nope!
0: It is not printed on a shark.
1: Oh, is that like a brand of laser printer? Interesting. Or it could be
0: laser sharks with freaking lasers on their heads.
1: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Freaking laser beams. Yeah.
0: Uh, can I engrave it myself? What's special that you're doing? Um, I designed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could go ahead. We'll license out the uh, Craft Computing logo. You can, <laughs> you can print your own at home. Yeah. By the way, we do have a super chat that we missed. Oh! Um, yeah, from Kren, to Aussie ah. bucks. He says, good eye, mates. Good eye, mate. Listening and driving today. Huh? That was pretty good. I'm getting better at this. Good on you. <laughs> it's all the bluey that I've been watching. Yeah, yeah.
0: it does help. It does help to immerse yourself in the culture.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm basically considering myself an Australian now. I mean, <laughs> I've watched all of the current episodes about 6,000 times. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'm
0: just dropping things over here. Yeah, uh, you and me both. I <laughs> At least all my kids Probably. like Bluey, like all of them do. And so, and I don't mind watching it either. Yeah. So Right.
1: I, I was going to say, like, at least it's one of those shows that's not bad. Like, it's actually a really high-quality show, and I feel like there's just as much in there for parents as there is kids.
0: There totally is. It, it is such a great show. At least it's not like Caillou or something like that.
1: Right. There's, like, a couple other, like, uh, some random show I went to go put on. Um, you know, like, one, one that I see at the front of Disney Plus all the time was, like, you know, the amazing Spidey and his friends or Spidey, Spidey Friends or something. Yeah. And... uh you know, interesting show, it's Spider-Man and all this. But oh, my God, like the writing and everything was so stale and stiff. And then you go back to Bluey and it's like, man, the writing Mm -hmm. is so like it's so lively and there's so much happening and they pack so much into five minutes. Right. And the other thing that I love
0: is it's it's meant for Australian temperaments, which (laughs) means sometimes you just need to take a bush wee. Like, yeah, I love that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Difference between LTT and craft computing. uh, Water bottles, craft computing won't try to sell you a screwdriver. Um,
1: Not yet. Yet. (laughs) Wait till we can laser cut one out. Right.
0: No, we're not going to do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, if I custom machine you a screw. But. Couple of you are balking up to forty dollars price for a water bottle. Like, come on! I don't think yeah. you want me seeing seeing you anything out of aluminum. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, wasn't that screwdriver like eighty bucks or something?
0: Right. And like... every review that I've heard on it is, it's a stellar ratcheting screwdriver. Sure. My big problem is i I hate ratcheting screwdrivers. Um, like. My I'm big not, problem
1: is that it's I'm a not, screwdriver.
0: I, no, well, you've seen some of the tools that I buy around here. Like I, I've got some nicer tools around here. Um, I I don't necessarily hate like multi-bit drivers because they're great to throw in my laptop bag. And now I've got like twelve options in one handle. I'm very much when I'm trying to work on something, what's called first order of retrievability. If I need a number two Phillips that has a bit that's this long, I want to grab it out of my toolbox and I'm ready to go. And if I need to swap that, I set down that screwdriver and I pick up the other one. Uh, I, I, I hate having to open, you know, multi-bit containers and, and deal with,
1: you know, quarter inch bits and all that. I hate it. Well, you know, would solve this standardized screws. Okay. <laughs> this is my pitch. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows Elon. He could get us a meeting okay i suggest that uh we pitch to elon that he buys the screw industry and we standardize it for eight dollars a month you can have standardized screws
0: you know if people are going to spend eight dollars a month i'd much rather they they just give it to me
1: yeah all right so go ahead and have your crazy multi-billion faceted screwdrivers you if, have to put if, one down, pick one up.
0: If if you give me eight dollars a month, I will reply to every Twitter post you ever make with a blue check mark. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Jeff verifies this account is real. <laughs> now,
1: which screw is the standard security Torx? oh god well but if it's standard (laughs) and all screwdrivers are made that way then it wouldn't be the end of the world right but people that use security torques on just like regular old projects i basically hate you so yeah
0: or dishwashers that are made with security torques
1: yeah somebody's gonna tear apart my dishwasher without looking at you bosh
0: Although I yeah. complain about that, so we have a Bosch dishwasher, um, and uh, the water pump or the drainage pump died on it one time, and uh, we had to call in under warranty and and get another pump out and things like that. And uh, we got the response. By the way, this is like height of COVID unavailability of like all things. Uh, that the water pump for our dishwasher was back ordered six plus months. Now went well. That's crap. Um, Like I understand, but that's still like, I still have a useless appliance in my kitchen that I can't use now. Um, And uh, so I wound up getting onto a couple different websites, sourcing the pump myself. And it arrived the same day that I got a phone call that, hey, we managed to find one for you. So let's schedule a time for a tech to come out. And I went, okay, cool. So I just kind of stuck the the pump up on the shelf. It's like 35 bucks. It wasn't that expensive. but I had since like opened some of the dishwasher, and I was looking around to to some of the different bits and bobs and and whatnot, and I'd gone through and cleaned everything to make sure it wasn't just like plugged with food or some crap like that. Yeah. And uh, uh, all the bits inside this were security Torx bits, and I was swearing the entire time that I was doing it because there's no freaking reason in the world to do that. Um, the tech comes out, works on my dishwasher. The tech is there literally less than twelve minutes. Because we pull the dishwasher out, he lifts the thing up, and he goes, oh, there's the pump right there. Zip, zip, two screws come out, and the pump drops out. (laughs) So I went through, like, disassembling the entire inside of my dishwasher and everything, when I should have just looked underneath and went like, oh, there it is.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: But hey, (laughs) now I know where it's at, and I have an extra pump.
1: And you are way more familiar with your dishwasher than you otherwise would have been. I'm
0: intimately familiar with the interior of my dishwasher.
1: Intimately? Wow. Okay. That took a turn. I had to get in some positions that were rather compromising, I will say. That's dishwashers for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no convenient way to get inside a dishwasher. I
0: I, I love that we opened the whole rabbit's hole full of uh, bad screwdriver standards. Uh, Apple Pentalobes and Nintendo Triwings can saw it off. Uh, I fully endorse that. Um, Yeah, uh, security torques. You mean the torques with the funny little rough spot in the middle? That's the one. It's the one with the security pin in the center. Um, I do like standard torques. I really do like standard torques. Uh, I would much rather encounter torques than I would
1: hex bits. Hex bits get bent. You know what we're just doing my boy Philip dirty okay can we please just standardize the number two phillips the problem is it. just because you look at
0: a screw and see cross pattern does not mean phillips does not mean number two and does not mean a standardized like you have to know the exact f- cross type head that you're dealing with Phillips is the U.S. standard and, and a good standard of the world, but there's also the Japanese standard of cross, which actually has beveled edges uh, cut into the the head itself uh, to prevent it from torquing and stripping.
1: Okay, well, I think that that's a good idea. So uh, let's do that one then. I've solved the problem. Right. I've, I've solved it. Um, so there you go. Any more problems that uh, you guys would like me to solve for you? <laughs> I'm here uh, for yeah, hour.
0: yeah. Uh, speaking of problems that I need solved, uh, around Christmas time when my family comes over, I feel the need for a beer when I'm sitting around the Christmas tree. Is that something yeah. you can help
1: me with? Yeah, absolutely. It is something I, I can help you with because it just so happens that I've got an in with Miller Lite. Mm. Okay, yeah. Wait, is the beer going to be Miller Lite? Well, probably. I, I'm not a miracle worker, okay? Uh, I'm. You know unlike, what? On Christmas Eve, I'll take what I can get. Exactly. Unlike Jesus, I'm limited to one miracle per household, and already I've gotten you beer. So, if you're Jesus, I'd at least expect wine. I'm not water. Jesus. <laughs> here you guys go serve beer from your christmas tree with miller light's new keg stand oh that that's a- what
0: keg stand means i've been confused all these years
1: well uh, you've been doing them wrong anyways so oh you're not supposed to lift him over your head
0: <laughs> if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die with honor <laughs> <laughs>
1: Reminds me of a uh, beer fest, you know. He, he falls into the vat of beer and he's like, I'm going to drink my way out. He dies anyway. <laughs> uh, died like he lived. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Get yourself a keg stand. Uh, limited quantities, $49.99. Tree not included. You know, that's actually oh, neither- not
0: a bad deal for a little mini keg.
1: Yeah, actually, the that also holds included. your tree. The keg's not included. Apparently, what? the stand is the only thing that you get. So it doesn't have to be Miller Lite. That's true. It could be. I could get could pony kegs weird. from around here. Like, yeah, we've,
0: we've, you got, could. we've got suppliers. Does the beer There's... come from the box or from the angel on top? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It right from the tap. The little wizard. Yeah, there you go. I, I, w-
0: I was going to lead into that joke with uh, like, okay, is it like one of the, the peeing angel statues yeah, in a yeah. pond or something? Uh, so I went ahead and opened my second beer. Uh, how's your uh, your whiskey coming along there, Mr. Bourbon? All gone. All gone, there you go. I'm amazed we're not talking about Morrowind yet. Uh, uh, from yeah. Drecker Brewing in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, Blacklight Syndicate, double IPA. This is a hazy at 8.3%. Uh, it's using Citra, Mosaic, and Azaka hops. And I will say it has a much more, this is going to sound weird or off or like not appetizing, much more pungent smell than the previous hazy IPA that I just had.
1: So you probably won't like it. Um, I mean I liked the first hazy. Oh, oh. Showing off because the camera's on. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Ooh, wow. That one's got a zing to it. <laughs> you know how we say, uh for those who don't know, uh the hop. Which is a gift from God. Uh, the the hop that we create beer with is in the same family of plants as hemp. Uh, it is a it is a relative cousin to another herb on this planet. Intoxicant. Right. Uh, which also has some intoxicating features. Uh, so a lot of Northwest beers smell very, very high of hops right and so we usually will relate that by saying it's a very dank smell you can if you get a a bonafide west coast or especially northwest style ipa it's generally referred to as sticky or dank or some one of those expletives um this one stoner words right yeah it's it's stoner stoner words um This is that same kind of feeling, but, but like he imported something from Philly. Like it is a, it's a hazy. It's got some citrus. It's, it's very like, I don't even want to say orange juice. It's more like tang. <laughs> like, like they, they took orange juice and they're like, nah, let, let's go from there.
1: Yeah, um, They're like, let NASA give this to astronauts.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in the same way that like northwest i p a s are kind of cranked up to eleven as far as that their their herbal roots you know the 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 essence the oils the the those kind of thing, yeah, this is a hazy that's kind of cranked up in the same way. I'm waiting to see if the acid catches up, and I will say there is a very high scratchiness like. More than just like it irritated my throat a little bit, it actually scratched the roof of my mouth
1: on my way down. <laughs> it, look, it looks like you have like a mimosa in that glass, like
0: you know, that's not that far off as far as like you know, a super dry champagne mimosa, yeah, like super, super dry.
1: Sounds yeah. tasty,
0: like. Like they use brute instead of Spamonte, you know,
1: like. Right. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Hmm. Well, you know who Uh, else uses brute and not Spamonte? Who's that? The products and services that support this. No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong.
0: Uh, I I, I know quite a few of the people over at Linode and, uh, you know, they they definitely like champagne and, and stuff over there. So if you've ever thought about hosting your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but uh, don't want to host all your own problems, why not let Linode host them for you? Even the most skilled server admins will tell you that you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as you need to go with dedicated CPUs, virtualized hosting, GPU hosting, NVMe block storage, and whatever your use case may be. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup offsite because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed with 12 new global data centers planned just by the end of 2023. <sighs> Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And again, thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. And I'm going to wait on this because I think I skipped a paragraph somewhere so you can actually see the uh, the call to action there at the bottom. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. $100, 60-day credit. Thanks, Linode. Today's
1: episode, Linode. Lenode. Linode. This episode is from Linode. Nail it's the linode The linode sode. This episode. As long as we don't uh, have to do explode. the Linode soda hour. <laughs> there you go. No mm-hmm. promises, but.
0: Uh let's see. What else do we got next? Anheuser Busch to launch uh Cantoritos by uh Harito's Hard Sodas. Um so you've probably seen these at every grocery store. If you go down the, the Hispanic or, or Mexican food aisles um, or in the cold sections, or like we have like dedicated shops around here, uh, uh, Harito's sodas. They come in a whole bunch of different fruit flavors and, and whatnot. Um, and they're actually pretty good. They're, 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 really, they're, good. Really, they're really, really good. enjoyable. Uh, apparently Anheuser-Busch is partnering with them to come up with hard soda lines. Uh, which honestly may not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, like a lot of other soda-inspired cocktail, you know, cocktail or cocktail in a can-style drinks, these are clock in about five percent and will mimic a lot of the fruity flavors of the popular Mexican soda. Uh, these should be rolling out sometime in 2023, and you'll see them popping up in California and Texas as a trial. Uh the 12 bottle variety they will initially launch a 12 bottle variety pack, uh, and six pack bottles of mandarin and pineapple flavors, as well as twenty-five ounce cans of mandarin and pineapple flavors.
1: Yeah. Their pineapple's pretty good. Um, I don't know if it's their mandarin flavor, but they have an orange one that is like so orange. It is legitimately the only <laughs> orange pop that I will drink. It is so good. Wow. Yeah
0: um i'm kind of partial to their lime i i really really like the lime
1: yeah you know i'm a sucker for good lime but that's like a recent development i haven't had one of these in a while i used yeah. to work at a mexican grocery store so it was like mm-hmm. it was just like a, a taco and a burritos like every day for lunch you know right <laughs> right somebody says those sodas are watery and i just say get out of here I, I just say you don't necessarily square inch.
0: <laughs> I just say every soda doesn't need to necessarily be a spoonful of sugar.
1: Mm. See, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't know how like sweet or sugar they are, but I I do feel like they have they carry more flavor density than like other like especially like drinking orange crush doesn't it? It's like ugh. Yeah. Like, you get one of these orange flavors. Oh so good. Of course so good. I,
0: I've I of course do not disparage the crisp clean orange taste that comes with Sunkist.
1: No, Sunkist is, is tolerable, for sure. Yeah, Sunkist is is good. Looking out for you, Epos.
0: <laughs> uh and with turnabout being fair play, Dr. Pepper has uh brought their own little bit of uh of turnabout. To the market with a bourbon-flavored
1: soda. Yeah. It's a real thing. <laughs> Wild, huh? Pretty good. Or looks good, rather. I'm definitely interested. Uh,
0: I One thing that I like to do, um, I don't know where or what people call them in other parts of the country. We, will, we always call them Italian sodas is um, you get just a little bit of syrup and then sparkling water or club soda or whatever else. Um, And so you see them at a lot of different Italian restaurants, you know, um, but... uh, And I've heard them called a number of different things, but we called them Italian sodas. You get, like, the flavored syrups that you put in coffee and whatnot that, you know, hardcore black coffee drinkers despise. And you can top it with sparkling water or... You know, add a little crema to it if you want an Italian cream soda. Uh, they're fantastic. And that we have a dozen or so syrups out, out in our fridge. And we we do sparkling water. And it's delicious. And it's low-cal. And it's good. Again, not every soda needs to be a bucket of sugar inside a one-liter bottle. Yeah. Um, but to that end, man, if I could get something bourbon-flavored without... Yeah
1: i'm interested i'm interested your liver health might actually make a turn for the better (laughs) (laughs) you know whiskey vape juice is good whiskey vape juice I don't know why that just made my stomach hurt a little bit I,
0: I don't know that those three words belong in the same sentence in that order. Uh,
1: all I can think about was just like I don't know drinking like when you chew tobacco and you just don't spit it out
0: right <laughs> you, you, it actually it accidentally dribbles down your throat a little bit like, yeah, yeah
1: that's what I pictured when he said whiskey vape juice yeah Whew. Uh, Jonathan asked if the drink is alcoholic and it doesn't look like it is, um, uh, sans alcohol. Yeah. The article says there's no alcohol comes in a silver can old timey label. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, sounds like they don't necessarily plan on going, uh, with a wide scale launch or anything like that. So you gotta be a part of this special thing that they got going on, but kind of interesting yep. nonetheless, because I like Dr. Pepper's the king of pop. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's at least the most well-educated of the pops. Right. I mean, so, spent at least six years in college. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So um, there you go. Yeah,
0: I mean. Honestly, if. If Mr. Pibb came out with with this, I'd probably pick it up as well. Just saying like. It it doesn't take a doctor to realize that bourbon's a good flavor.
1: Yeah, true. Mr. Pip is actually pretty superior to Dr. Pepper in a lot of ways.
0: You're not wrong.
1: You're yeah. really not wrong. Yeah. I know. I take a lot of stances on Pop, but uh it's because I have evidence to back it up.
0: Right. Uh Dr. Pepper is the best, my favorite anyway uh of course Dr. Pepper is the best do you do the do uh not since high school
1: yeah I used to drink Mountain Dew religiously and then in high school we made a bet of who could go the longest without drinking pop we put a pool together like Mm -hmm. 20 bucks a piece and the person who held out the longest got to collect the whole pool and when I went back I fantasized about that first Mountain Dew because I drank it so often yeah and when I had that first sip, it was so awful. It has never tasted the same to me since. It is. It tasted just like sweet syrup. Mm-hmm. It was. It offended me. And every, even now, like I, I, I managed to drink a diet Mountain Dew once a couple of years ago. But the 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 taste of that initial return to Mountain Dew has shocked my system. It it, it was like pickle juice. If I were Jeff. Um, you know it was like pickles spilled in my mouth on accident except it was something that i once loved immensely
0: i i love that you guys did a tauntine for
1: soda <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious <laughs> what can i say dude small town yep <laughs>
0: Uh, let's see, who commented it? Jonathan says, I wanted Dr. Pepper to do like the root beer alcoholic drinks that have come out, like the not your dad's root beer and things like that. Yeah. Um Honestly, Kraken and, and Dr. Pepper, pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, although my favorite is probably Sailor Jerry and Dr. Pepper.
1: Now, if you can find the Dr. Pepper's made with real cane sugar, mm-hmm. which is usually like sold south of the border. Mm-hmm. But if you can find it up here, you heat that some bitch up and you pour some bourbon in there and you got yourself a delightful, warm drink. Hot Dr. Pepper with bourbon. <laughs> but it has to be cane sugar. It yes. can't just be the high fructose corn syrup Dr. Pepper or you're going to be disappointed.
0: Right. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, I don't know if you remember, Mountain Dew came out with their Dew Shine a while back, uh, right. which was based on the original recipe of mountain dew now a lot of people don't know but mountain Dew was meant to be a whiskey mixer Mountain dew is slang for moonshine <laughs> yeah. um yeah how quickly we forget
1: um I mean they did the throwback like when I was in high school they did the throwback where they really leaned into the, like the hillbilly like oh yeah thing, no they, they did
0: the, yeah they did the the mountain dew throwback with the cane sugar and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, they actually came out with a version of it called Shine, which was again, mm. straight up, you know, this is the recipe that was meant for mixing whiskey. Um, I bought so many different six packs of that and tried so many different whiskeys in them and they were all delicious. <laughs> like Mountain Dew in the traditional sense as a whiskey mixer gets my seal of approval.
1: Yeah. Do the do. Yep.
0: Warm Dr. Pepper, the mid-1900s are coming for you, says Dean. What
1: can I say? Yep. I'm crossing the generational divide, you right. know? Right.
0: And got a lot of Sailor Jerry love in the in the comments as well. Um, yeah, it was actually my grandpa who turned me on to Sailor Jerry.
1: <laughs> Lots of cross-generational outreach Right, on. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: We we were up in the mountains and uh, we were doing some hiking and and he goes uh, hey do you want a little pick me up and I went sure and he hands me a bottle of Sailor Jerry and uh, and a Pepsi and uh, he goes here take a sip of the Pepsi then top it off with the Sailor Jerry I'm like I that's
1: like, like where your heads are right drink now. that's a grandpa drink that's like totally that. a grandpa drink
0: yeah uh, it, it was either that or he does uh, gosh. Uh, ah brandy cherry brandy
1: Mm. cherry brandy and pepsi
0: for an alcoholic cherry
1: pepsi that would be interesting yeah brandy kind of has that like Mm -hmm. you know yeah it has that going for a little syrupy little yeah i see that being good yeah did very well solid choice i've only seen my grandpa drink hams so Yeah, he won a shuffleboard tournament after drinking, like, probably 10 of them, so. (laughs) Well, they're 4.2 percent, like. He's an old
0: man. I I know, but that's like me going out after two and a half IPAs, like. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, cherry brandy and Pepsi. Oh, that does sound good. It is. It's solid. It's really solid. Um, but uh, my my grandpa, like I said, he he turned me on to Sailor Jerry. Uh, because he, um, what was funny is growing up, you, if 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 you lived in a good house, you you didn't realize your parents ever drank, right? Like,
1: <laughs> oh, is that the mark of a good house?
0: Okay, I'm out. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm just saying, like in general, uh, you know that there was either the you never knew your parents drank or your parents drank all the time and you understood the consequences of their drinking or it was like the posh thing they did like Mm. like you know when the kids go to bed i and i enjoy a good cocktail or glass of wine like
1: Um, like
0: i i I feel like those are the three different levels if your parents drank Uh,
1: there's another level there's another level it's not the good level right Way to bring down the whole show, Red. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about this in the after party now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Get ready for Rhett to unpack his childhood trauma for two hours, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come join us if you need therapy too. We're cheaper than a therapist.
1: But I will do it shirtless. So Well, there you go. Well, that you unpacks know. a whole nother level of Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> That's a different, that's a different session (laughs) though. And it only costs you less than a dollar a month. That's right. No, it's at least a dollar a month. I don't know why I always say less than. Right. I say that a lot about Patreon. You you do, but...
0: I I can't make that joke. (laughs) For less than a dollar a day...
1: <laughs> I can't go there. He's already I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the chat stuffed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. What level what of level
0: drinking of- <laughs> alone in front of your computer with fake internet friends? <laughs> um Well that's just modern life post twenty twenty.
1: Right. Yeah. We don't actually attribute levels to modern drinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking 90s or earlier. Right. Um, Anything after that, and it's cool to drink, um, it's fashionable. Right. They do it on TV shows. Um, like all of our parents smoked and that was like,
0: uh, you know, like, like it was just kind of like it was the normal thing, but it was also like dying out, like, yeah, like grandma yeah. smokes like six packs a day yeah. and, and you smoke and you're trying to give it up, but you'll, you'll still smoke socially or just in the car when you're really stressed and, and not And it's like, no, that's not cool. They say it'll kill you. And now it's like, if I smoke a pipe, I'm cool again like it it's gone full circle
1: (laughs) yeah well and that's the thing though nobody has ever denied that smoking doesn't look cool (laughs) it looks cool
0: (laughs) but i do like you ever been to a vape cloud contest like those are pretty dope
1: well they are dope vaping looks less cool than a cigarette um yeah but that's that's just me the clouds look cool (laughs)
0: It really depends on if you've got Gandalf skills or not.
1: Yeah. Honestly, it, I actually sometimes feel sad when I see people just ripping on those. They got like the big mods or whatever, and they're just like, and they take a big thing, like a big old lungful, in there. like, the clouds look cool, but I kind of feel like they don't look as cool as they think they do. Like, nothing like a, having a Marlboro between your lips, you know? Like, <laughs> and I'm not even joking, dude. I don't know what it is about cigarettes, those things make you look bad ass, dude. I, I,
0: I like how you went from, you know, Jim Beam to James Dean in, in like <laughs> half a second.
1: Yeah, basically. I don't know. Maybe this is the inner boomer in me. I'm like, these millennials and their fake smoke. And their vapors. Know, buy a pack of spirits and be done with it. <laughs> spirits. All I did, I was at the store the other day, like buying a Pepsi or something. And it was like, the freaking pack of American spirits was like $12. I was like, how do people afford this anymore? I couldn't believe it.
0: Uh, if you think that's bad, what do you find out the cost of the apartment they're trying to rent?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: Anyway, enough on the economic loss. Let's talk about Microsoft's <laughs> economic loss. Uh, Here we go. And uh, how much it costs Microsoft to make each console. Shocker, more than they sell it for. Uh, What is this, the Xbox 360 all over again? Yes, yes it is. Uh, So for those who thought the Xbox Series S and Series X were phenomenal deals based on the hardware that's inside, um, Microsoft feels that way too. Phil Spencer, in a recent interview, confirmed that Microsoft loses up to $200 on each and every Xbox console that it sells. Obviously the Xbox uh, Series X. Uh, uh, Actually, sorry, no, inverse of that. Uh, The $100 loss on the Series X and a $200 loss on the (laughs) Series S. So you save $100 is actually costing Microsoft an extra $100
1: so the real the real point of this is that we could end microsoft if we buy constantly xboxes and then never use them
0: and then never use the service associated with them right
1: exactly we could take down a titan i
0: don't think we're taking on microsoft together Um, we we might upset a few Microsoft execs, but I don't think we're taking down Microsoft. Um, so On my
1: mark, unleash hell.
0: <laughs> so this has happened before in console wars. Um, although it's odd that Microsoft seems to be kind of alone in this. Um,
1: well, now, it does say that they that other consoles lose, um, but but that the, the two hundred dollar price mark is significant,
0: right? Um. I don't honestly believe that the Nintendo Switch loses money.
1: Right, and the article says, uh, all console manufacturers often sell at a loss with the exception of Nintendo. <laughs> right, um, right. I, I, and
0: that, that's what I was going to bring up is Nintendo doesn't, doesn't take part in this. They take all of your money whenever they can, um, as evidenced by Skyrim is still $60. Come on, it's 11 <laughs> years old.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, taking a loss on consoles is actually not an unusual move, as you might think. Now, yes, every Xbox that Microsoft sells, they they lose $100 on an X and $200 on an S in the hardware that they sell. But if you sign up for Xbox Game Pass,
1: That's all they're making
0: $120 a year at $10 a month or $12 a month or whatever the, the tier that you happen to buy is, $15 a month for Family Pack or whatever else. All of a sudden, they're looking at making that back within 12 months. Well, what if you have that console for six years?
1: Yeah. There you go. They've made their profit.
0: Right. And not only that, but every single Xbox game is licensed through Xbox to be able to sell. So every single title that sells via online or uh, physical. Microsoft gets a cut of two, and, and that's the licensing model for pretty much every games distribution platform uh, from Nintendo to Xbox to Sony to Steam to Epic to everything else. If you buy a game on a service or for a specific console, the console manufacturer or or owner or whoever, Makes a decent amount of profit on it. Uh, in the case of Valve, it's like thirty percent for PC <clears throat> games sold through Valve's Steam service. Uh, in the case of Xbox, it can be twenty to fifty percent depending on the game. Uh, yeah. I know those those stats and specs have been revealed throughout the years. Um, as as much as two hundred dollars on a loss for an Xbox Series S seems, I don't actually think it's the biggest loss financially. Uh, that Microsoft's ever done because I know the Xbox 360 was a hell of a loss leader. Uh, that and the PlayStation 3 uh, when they were competing against each other because you can go in and into the store and buy those for like 199 and be equivalent for a short time of like a $600 PC. Well, that hardware was still being made by AMD whether they liked yeah. it or not. Um, yeah. Skyrim 2021 anniversary edition bundle is $95 Australian on the Switch.
1: 95 yeah, bucks. Yeah. That's crazy. See, and what's wild is like Dark Souls came out two months before Skyrim came out. And in that time since, we've had three Dark Souls games and a spin-off. Not and that's just Elden Ring. There could be more. And what do we have from Skyrim? We have release after release after release after release um re-release rather it's kind of kind of sad i mean it's a great game great yeah. game <clears throat> but
0: i'm personally looking forward to gta 5 on the playstation 6 i mean i i think it's going to bring a whole new fidelity that we already saw on pc uh to a fourth generation of console
1: yeah why not why not <laughs> sounds exciting you know
0: yeah. all right I promised this at the top of the show, and I figured we would end with this, and uh, maybe a little bit of time left for Q&A, but DOOM! Uh, It it seems this year we've been talking a lot about new ways to play Doom, or new things that Doom is being played on, because the old adage of Can It Play Crisis started with Can It Run Doom? Um, I mean, that. Can it run Doom was a meme twenty five years before we knew what the hell a meme was. <laughs> okay, uh, but the goal of uh, Can it run Doom has always been a hardware and or software hacking goal of anytime you get root access or uh, hardware exploit uh, ability or whatever else one of the first things you gotta do is try to play Doom on the hardware or software that you've just just accessed, right? Um, well, uh, we've seen Doom run on everything from obviously the PC it was designed for, the x86 DOS PC. Uh, we've seen it run on an NES. We've seen it run on microwaves and treadmills and pregnancy tests and John <laughs> Deere tractors. Uh, This one may, I say take the cake, but holy crap, uh, I I never wanna, I don't think you can actually use that phrase with Doom because there's always gonna be something else that comes out. Uh, In this case, it is a seven segment display that is daisy chained together, basically a public reader board prior to LCDs and, and all that stuff um has been hacked to be able to play doom via a raspberry pi and a serial interface.
1: Hell yeah. So,
0: for those who don't know what a seven segment display is, that's like your old VCR that flashes 12 because no one knew how to set it. Uh boy, does anyone even get that joke anymore? Crap, I don't know.
1: I mean, things still need to be have time set.
0: They still have to have time set, but most things also have either Wi-Fi or GPS built in now because it's cheaper than buttons to set the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, the, the two main clocks in my house are my mm-hmm. microwave and my oven, and they needed to be set by hand. That's true. So, it's true. My fridge shuts itself though. Well, that's high tech. That's high tech. That's pretty impressive actually.
0: So, yeah, uh, for those who are interested in what a seven-segment display looks like, um, yeah, yeah, here's a Rickroll on a seven-segment display. Okay? So you get, obviously, it's very rudimentary graphics, and, like, here's it playing Snake. You know, you can, oh, look, there's a snake, and there's the the bugs that it has to eat, right? Don't cross your tail. Oh, no. Um, Well, here is it running Doom.
1: It it totally runs Doom. There's a better video of it because um, it's hard to see what's happening on your screen. It looks really dark. Um, there's a better video of it if you go back to the Hackaday and you click on the link where it says on this seven segment display. Oh, gotcha, top, gotcha. And that takes you to Reddit, which then I'll show you a nice little uh, gotcha. And you could uh, you you have a little bit more detail there that you could see yeah nope
0: of course i can't go full screen because i'm
1: yeah look at that now you can see him like moving around and stuff like yeah you'll see some bad guys here pop up like look at that get him get him yeah (laughs) that's fun i like that kind of has a new life this way you know oh he died he died right there Oh (laughs) no. yep uh so yeah
0: Uh, The old question of can it run Doom claims one more victim. Now, interesting note here. Uh, Springle says, so can you run Doom inside of Doom running Doom? And actually, we're about to answer that very question, (laughs) as it turns out. Um, So, obviously, Doom is a staple when it comes to not only first-person shooters, but PC gaming in general. It set a lot of the standards that modern games still follow when it comes to first person shooters, immersion control standards, etc. There are so many things that that id did correctly in the development of doom in the presentation of doom, in the UI of doom that modern games are still kind of replicating um now obviously in two thousand sixteen, doom got a revival uh in. All of its modern glory with Doom 2016, um, but there's always the the allure of the older the older style the 1993 Doom the you know 2D sprites in a you know barely 3D environment. Um, well, as it turns out, GZ Doom now has a new mod in which you can play Doom Eternal in its entirety. In Doom
1: 93. Nice. Heck yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, So this is available on ModDB. And so if you go to ModDB, uh, it's called Dead Ascension. And they've recreated the entirety of Doom Eternal in Doom's engine. You can download this map pack. You can play it. It has weapon enhancements. It has modern HUD overlays. It has most of the gameplay that you would expect from Doom Eternal.
1: In the original.
0: In the original format. That's hilarious. So so you can run Doom inside Doom.
1: (laughs) Sweet, well, there you have it. That solves a long standing uh, mystery that we've had on craft computing
0: right uh, can the craft computing water bottle run doom uh, if you ask nice enough <coughs> I mean the the hardware is there it might take a little bit of a software refinement to get that going but uh, <laughs> uh let's see we did get a super chat uh, tech geek sends over 20 bucks just got done with work listening on my way home. Cheers guys catch you in the after party. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Thanks for the 20 bucks, man.
0: Yeah. And if you want to take part in the after party, join the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. You'll get access to my exclusive Discord server where I hang out, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads. And we do an after party every Wednesday immediately following the show. Um, You get to chat directly with us in video chat, ask us questions, uh, and see where the conversation goes. And not only is the after party great, but the Discord channel in general is phenomenal. And I don't just say that because it's mine. It, it, it's actually like a point of pride that I like my Discord as much as I do. Uh, it's it's genuinely an amazing group of people, uh, phenomenal community that happens there. And it's not just talking about like craft computing related stuff. It's It's... A general purpose community that that talks about everything from food and beer to three D printing and homemaking to automotive and and uh, there there are occasionally classes in there to teach you how to solder or program or or anything like that. There's gaming events that happen uh, a couple of times a month. There's And obviously talking about craft computing videos, asking me questions, getting behind the scenes access. Uh, It's all there. It's awesome. I can't recommend it enough and not just because it makes me money.
1: But because it makes me money too. (laughs) Right. I'm paying two mortgages here. Do you guys understand that? (laughs) $40
0: for a water bottle. You're darn right, $40 for a water bottle.
1: It's a good value for something like that. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta view it as though you're getting a really cool design on it. I mean, that's
0: handcrafted.
1: Yeah, craft. I mean, I have, I have like a Nalgene, uh, Nalgene water bottle. You guys have probably seen it on the show. It's like the bright orange one. That mm-hmm. thing cost me like fifty dollars, right? And I, it was because of where I bought it. You know, I was supporting the place where I bought it from. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, yeah, and you might go, it's a water bottle. Yeah, you could repurpose a freaking Crystal Geyser water bottle if you really wanted to be nitty gritty about it, but that's not what we're doing here. Um, We're making you this cool handcrafted merch right from the studios, the factory floor of craft computing, right?
0: Yeah. Why is it worth 40 bucks? Because I'm literally doing 100% of the work myself. It is designed by me. It is sourced by me as far as the water bottles. It is printed on my machine. It will be packaged and shipped by me. Yeah. So um, let's see. We did get a question in. Uh, Janos wants to know thinking of replacing a Core 2 Quad FreeBSD router with a 57 Energy and Proxmox, uh, plus for some other services in PFSense. Your thoughts? Uh, 57 Energy is a heck of a processor. Uh, eight core, 16 threads, modern uh, Zen 2 architecture, you'll be able to do a lot with that chip, especially coming from a Core 2 Quad. Um, If you go back and look at, gosh, is it all the way back in 2018? Um, One of my earliest tutorials on setting up uh, FreeNAS at that time, um, I was replacing a Core 2 Quad-based system, which was a... uh, a Xeon X thirty five seventy five or something like that. Um, so same platform, same same tech. Uh, yeah, you you're going to benefit a lot from the fifty seven hundred G. You'll be easily able to run PF Sense and probably honestly, the sky's for the limit as far as like home services you want to run on there. As far as like Plex servers or uh, you know home storage or wherever you want to go with it. So. Fantastic way to go.
1: Uh, Uh, Andrew Preston says, are we serializing the water bottles? And then Michael S says, we should mention the possibility of putting your name or signature or whatever on the bottle. Um, (laughs) Way ahead of you, Michael. Yeah.
0: Uh, I will not be serializing the bottles because I don't want to be like a you ordered it first and have to coordinate that with, with the shipment, simply because of the logistics of that internally. Um, however, we do have a section of the water bottle that is sanctioned off for name customization. So, if you want to engrave a a username or a Discord name or something like that, uh, we do have that section available. Uh, it will be an additional ten dollars. I'm looking at forty dollars for the water bottle, and then an additional ten if you want it uh, monogrammed, uh, because it does take a little bit of additional machine setup and and tweaking and verifying just to make sure that all the customizations are correct. Plus, I've got to take your custom water bottle, make sure it gets put in your custom shipment and shipped to you so you don't get someone else's name. There is some work that goes along with logistics as far as that goes. So, um, But yeah, so pricing will be $40 for the water bottle as you see it right here. Uh, And then we do have a spot for monogramming. Uh, If you want to see what that looks like, talk to Yocto on the After Party.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um,
0: So yes, we will have a monogram option for it. Uh, Let's see. Intel versus AMD, better buy, getting a new CPU soon, mid-tier. This generation, Intel looks like kind of the better buy. Uh, it's not that Ryzen's a bad buy. This is in probably the most amazing time to be a CPU consumer since 2001. Uh, as far as the level of competition that's available and the fact that you don't know who's going to be better, but you know if you buy something, it's going to be good. Uh, like, it, it has been a long time since we've seen this level of competition in the CPU space. Uh, so... I'll give you a sneak peek of tomorrow's video. Um, I just rebuilt my Ryzen 5950X workstation that I just built less than 12 months ago. Um, so Ryzen 16 core, 32 thread, Zen 2 based CPU, clocks itself to 4.8 gigahertz all day long. Um, Or yeah, sorry, 13th gen. Um, I just replaced it with a 13900K. And my multi-threaded score in Cinebench, R23, went from a 24,233 to a 40,078, or about a 55 to 60% increase. One generation. Now, the 7950X is not that far off, but it also costs more. Uh, It's 750 versus 600. and a lot of the mid-range Intel chips, like the 13600K, even the 13500 or 13400, are looking like amazing values, uh, even with Zen as competition. Uh, and not that the Zen chips are that bad of a value either. In fact, I have a video coming up about how UZeons are dead. Yeah, you heard it here first, from the one who <laughs> loves his UZeons to... Maybe you shouldn't use use Eons anymore. Yeah, stay tuned for that one. Uh, Let's see... Favorite J-series embedded Celeron? Uh, I would have to say the 1900. Just simply from a... I think that's when the J-series kind of hit its stride. Uh, And since Intel has been so stagnated since then, it really hasn't gotten any better. Uh, I mean, we're still waiting on 10 nanometer J parts to come available. Maybe another two years we'll get something that, you know, hits above its weight class, but until that time, the J1900, in my mind, still reigns supreme. Maybe the 2950, maybe the the J2950. Uh, Let's see. Uh John Jay, I'm sure it will Rhett be doing the packing and shipping. Possibly.
1: He's seen me use a tape gun before, so uh, it's y- dicey. It's
0: embarrassing. Uh let's see. Craft Computing. Hey, I learned about Proxmox from your channel. You should make a video about those passively cooled PF Sense routers while using Proxmox on them. It's pretty cool. Um I thought about that, but with Proxmox, you're <sighs> Those systems are fairly low powered because they're just like we were just talking about with J-series uh, Celerons and and even Atoms and, and low series Pentiums. If you're using like a, like a Celeron 3150 or something like that, you've only got four cores and four threads with 1.8 gigahertz. What other services are you going to run there? Like you can definitely run PFSense in a virtualized environment with that you might be struggling for gigabit connectivity though if you have a gigabit service provider can you also run pihole as pfsense or uh, you know can you also run a pihole server can you do recursive dns can you do can you do a vpn based on that uh, can you encrypt said vpn you're getting really dicey really quick with that low power that low wattage of a cpu remember those are only like 8 watt cpus at full tilt um so while they're amazing for PF PFSense standalone boxes, and you'll definitely get gigabit throughput as a standalone box, as long as you're talking about like layer two translation. Um, I don't know that they're the best for a virtualized environment just because of CPU cycle time. So, yeah. Uh, liked it better when you did the Xeon stuff. Unfortunately, the Xeon stuff is, like I said, Like it's not like I'm going to stop doing Xeon stuff, but I can't necessarily wholeheartedly recommend you go out and buy a Xeon 2698v4 when a Ryzen 1700 will mop the freaking floor with it. And, oh, by the way, it's available at a cheaper price, has native NVMe, newer PCI Express, a third the wattage, uh, Inexpensive memory, standard connections, easier to cool. Like, there's a lot of factors to take into play here. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see. I-486 is officially dead. Linux no longer supports them as of this week. Yeah, I saw that. That's sad to see the, the old DX2 go the way of the Dodo. Uh, let's see. Craft Computing, I completely agree about old Xeon hardware. I have a few in service. Not worth it anymore, especially ones with no AVX. Yeah, well, again, it all depends on kind of what you're doing with them. Um, a lot of my services that I run at home are actually fairly basic, uh, with the exception of a lot of the vGPU stuff that I do, because I... On one hand, it's like, yeah, run PyHole and a VPN server and do some Plex encoding. Here's a NVIDIA card to handle 95% of that workload for you. Oh, and then also run a virtualized editing machine with 24 gigs of video memory that can encode in, in H.265 in 4K. Like, my, my use case varies wildly. Um, and here's the deal. Will Xeons continue to work? Absolutely. Uh, are they the best value proposition for your dollar today? That's become very dicey. Uh, in fact, on the table behind me, I just picked up a Ryzen 3700X. So Zen 2, 8-core, 16-thread, 4.4 gigahertz, $129. The top-end Ivy Bridge Xeon or no, sorry, top-end Haswell Xeon is 100 bucks right now. And yeah, you're getting 18 cores or 16 cores, but I, if you're talking about CPU cycles as far as the number of VMs and instructions and things that you can run on them, the fact that the Ryzen runs almost twice as fast means you can do the same amount. Oh, and you have modern architecture to build off of. So... It's interesting. It's it's a very interesting market right now because we are seeing such an explosion in CPU performance. And again, this all the the used Xeon value proposition stems from the fact all the way back in 2011 that bulldozer frickin' nosedived uh, as far as value goes. Uh, AMD just didn't bring competition to the table, and so Intel could rest on their laurels and do five percent year over year increases, and. Uh, Got a little sloppy themselves toward the end. So I think it's more happenstance than than circumstance that led to use xeons being such the value that that they have been for so many years. Uh, but if you start to look at more modern CPUs, even an i four eighty four hundred with only six cores and six threads holds up very well against twelve cores and twenty four threads of of a 2690V3 uh, of a Haswell chip. Uh, you look at a 3700X and like I said it'll it'll keep pace with like a 2697V V4 at 65 watts instead of 140. And and it does it with DDR4 memory and and you know PCI Express 4.0 support. So it's going to be some some interesting time moving forward especially if we start to see some of the consumer and enterprise chips from the last two or 3 years so i'm talking like epic rome or or, or you know something similar start plummeting in price because i think they're going to ca- they're going to have to You can't stay at $1,000 if you're a Rome 7742 CPU with 64 cores and only 2.2 gigahertz. That's almost being flat out embarrassed by a 13900K. Like... To be clear, I benchmarked the 13900K against the 7742 today, and it was a lot closer than it should have been. (laughs)
1: Uh, let's see.
0: Another
1: super chat there.
0: Another super chat. Uh, Alpha Banana Baseball sends over seven Canadian bucks. Thank you. I think those spend the same. Uh, love what you do, Jeff. You keep the enthusiast scene alive and kicking. Respect and much love. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, got a pair of X99 and 5820K boxes. One mine, one inherited from dad that I just need some use case for since I run a trio of uh, PCI 3.0 GPUs, um, and, and an X4 NVMe SSD. Honestly, the 5820X, it wasn't, it was a really good chip in its day at six cores and 12 threads. Um, but man, is it looking really, really aged at this point. If you have an X99 board and you're looking to get a little bit more life out of it, I just said use Xeons aren't a great deal. Since you have an X99 platform, use Xeons might be, your step forward. Um, something like a 2687W V3 or V4 or a 2667V4, um, where you can jump yourself up to 8, 10, 12, 16 cores, maybe not as fast, maybe not, you know, four or 4.2 gigahertz or wherever that one boosted itself to, but I think it, it leveled off at like 3.8 if you didn't overclock it. And even overclocking, like you were lucky to get 4.3 out of that thing. Um, There are some Xeon chips out there that do quite well in X99 boards. So the 2667 V3, uh, the 2690 V3, 2690 V4, 2697 V4 is another hell of a chip for a hundred bucks drop that into your X99 board and all of a sudden you've got 16 cores and 32 threads that'll still boost themselves up to 3.4, 3.6 sometimes um, and get you some extra life out of that board. Uh, Let's see, caveat for first gen Ryzen, memory stability is an issue for server running 24 seven. I would say only if you're trying to run it at, 3000 megahertz, 2933. Ryzen is still plenty stable, even in its first generation, if you're running 2400, 2133. Um, And honestly, that's not, if you're running server tasks, it's not that much of a hit to your performance. Uh, So what should I replace my dual 2650s with? Uh, If you wanna just upgrade your CPUs, like I said, you know, if you've already got the platform, the chips are dirt cheap right now. And so uh, if if you're talking V0s, you can get the... Uh, anything jumping up to Ivy Bridge would be a heck of a move forward. Something like the 2690 V2, 2695 V2 uh, would be a huge step forward, although it's also a huge step forward in the amount of power used. So keep that in mind, uh, as well as cooling in mind. Uh, hey, Rhett, how's life as a cam op and editor?
1: So good. It's great. I got to, uh, you know, start late today, have some breakfast, and then move a camera around. It was fun. It's a good day. Right?
0: Um, Rhett and I actually had this conversation just like two days ago. Like, we could work our fingers to the absolute bone and crank out as much content as we possibly could and probably make a lot more money a lot faster. Is that really what we want for the channel? Is it really what we want for quality? And do I want to be working my fingers to the bone right now?
1: Right. I've, like, I've got- What's the sustainability, you know? What's the like.
0: sustainability of that? Like, yeah, sure, flash in the pan is one thing, but sustainability of like people expecting three videos per week, at my peak, I produce two videos per week. Now, oddly enough, I produce those alone while still working a 60 hour a week job. Um, but I feel like our quality has gone massively through the roof. I'm still producing between six and eight videos per month. Do I want to produce 10 videos per month? Absolutely. I would love to produce 10 videos per month. Um, and that's probably a goal for 2023. God, I almost said 2022. Because
1: like, Yeah. I know.
0: Um yeah the 10 videos per month is probably a goal for 2023 moving forward um because more content equals more better and but a lot of that is going to come from uh production improvements and efficiency yeah. improvements that we make here internally um I don't want to sacrifice quality simply to crank out quantity because yeah. other things get sacrificed along the way uh so yeah right now we're kind of fine working like four to five days a week and six hour days. And, you know, I get to spend every evening with my kids and have dinner every day with them. And, you know, uh, only has to drive away from his house three, four days a week. Like it's not a bad gig at all.
1: No, it's great. And the, and the thing too that I really hammered on when we were talking about this the other day is like my last job was stressful. And not that this doesn't have its stress, like when Mm -hmm. we're really up against like a deadline or something, or if a project isn't coming together the right way, or some of the camera equipment just decides not to work suddenly. Like that's stressful, but it's nowhere near the level of stress that I used to deal with.
0: Right. It's no longer life and death. It's no longer people's lives hanging in the balance. It's no longer the, the the uptime and viability of servers that are serving thousands of people for for me it's no longer um you know entire school districts and and real estate offices and and companies and people's lives hanging in the not like actual lives but like livelihoods hanging right. in the balance for me it's just like oh i guess this video is going to be slightly uglier than yeah. than our last one you know um I had an issue, we had an issue today with our our camera slider. Uh, I I invested very big money. It was one of the first big investments I made into the channel. I spent almost $3,000 on a camera slider because I wanted some automation and reliability and repeatability of a lot of B-roll shots. And since I was a one-man shop, that seemed like the obvious choice to go with over camera quality is, is get your camera operability done first. And the uh, three grand, it was not a small investment. Um, and uh, today that rig died. Now that was almost three years ago to the day. Like I bought that 28, 2019, maybe October, November. Like it almost exactly three years. I didn't buy an extended warranty for it. I just went with the one year warranty and went like, we'll, we'll kind of float it if we need to. I, today, like all four servos stopped responding in that, in that rig. And I went, that's a problem because we use that a lot. And uh, I sent them an email at 1130 this morning and got a response at 1215. And they go, oh, yeah, no, we know what that problem is. Uh, Send it in to us. You'll have it back in a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: that was all the stress that we had to deal with today was,
1: was oh, no, my camera
0: slider stopped working for an hour.
1: And I was going to say, like, when you compare that level of stress to something else, this to is something still, like servers are down
0: at 11 p.m. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's I'm great. all right right now. I, I would say the only really difficult part sometimes is like when you put your heart and soul into a project and then to watch people um pick it apart to talk about something that you didn't even mention in a video. Uh, <laughs> The most you know, stress is it's, from
0: reading comments. <laughs>
1: I mean, honestly, which is totally—it's totally within our control. But you know, we're still small enough that we want to be able to engage with people, and so you read the comments, and you're like, "Really? Right. Like you got 20 minutes of content, and you're focusing on that one frame, or right. this thing, or that off-cuff off cut? Yeah, or like the fact like, that I
0: didn't say something?
1: Yeah." Yes, it's not only it's not only just what's in the video, it's also now what's not in the video. Like right. <laughs> you're like, um, I love dogs, and you're like this guy hates cats, get him.
0: <laughs> hey, here's a cool hardware-based ISO mounting, CD drive emulating, USB drive <laughs> emulating, VHD mounting. Do anything SSD caddy. Yeah, but you didn't say Ventoy, so you've personally offended me. <laughs>
1: Or my favorite. Hey, uh, have you ever heard of Ventoy? Right. <laughs> like, no. How how did we get this far in this field without ever having heard of Ventoy? <laughs> Thank uh, God you told us about it though. We would have looked right. like real idiots. Right.
0: Uh, Maven chimes in with a five dollar super chat. Thank you very much, Maven. Uh, so I've been running an Instinct MI25 with the WX9100 BIOS. Any updates on SRIOV? SRIOV isn't the problem. It's getting drivers to support it. Um, so for those who don't know the full story on the Radeon Instinct MI25, it is an MX GPU capable AMD card. It was meant for vGPU, what I've called cloud gaming or distributed computing or VDI. Um, and they tout it as being based on open standards, like SRIOV, which it totally is. However, all of the drivers to actually make it work are behind paywalls through OEMs and system integrators. So you cannot download MXGPU drivers for the Radeon Instinct MI25 direct from AMD. You have to go through a third-party partner. Uh, such as Supermicro or Dell or HP or Cisco or whoever else that you buy your bought your particular server from, um, they're under licensing agreements to not give you the driver unless you happen to have bought into their program and and have their you know all their support packages and everything else. Um, so AMD saying it's license free is such a bad bit of double speak because NVIDIA licensing is expensive, but at least they tell you what it's going to cost and allow you to download it. Okay. Now, is there any movement on SRIOV? None that I've seen. Um, Again, SRIOV enabling isn't the problem on the MI25, it's getting it to actually work with more than one head on it. Uh, The whole point of VDI or cloud computing or cloud gaming is to be able to run multiple 3D accelerated machine instances from a single graphics card to better distribute your computing power. Um, And it's something I've been very passionate about for like 20 years. And yes, the Mi-25 based on the Vega 56, but with 16 gigabytes of HBM2 is a freaking steal as far as compute horsepower for $99. And in fact, if you want to flash the WX9100 BIOS onto it or the Vega 56 BIOS onto it, you end up with a card with a single mini DisplayPort output that is Vega 56 and 64 speed equivalent. Uh, It's a great value on on a graphics card but it's not a great value for a compute GPU if your goal is VDI, because AMD doesn't want to play ball. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Intel Flex will be there to pick up the the slack and maybe force some competition and some changes with regard to licensing across the VDI industry. But so far, nothing much. Sweet. Uh, 2670v2 for $13, yes, please. For those that don't know, the 2670v2 is a 10-core, 20-thread CPU. I believe it has a 3.2 gigahertz turbo and a 2.6 gigahertz base. $13, yeah, if you wanted to upgrade a 2650, which is a 2 gigahertz Sandy Bridge base with like a 2.2 or 2.3 gigahertz max all-core turbo, 8-core, 16-threads, yeah, 2670v2 be the best $13 you've ever spent. This guy's indifferent to snakes. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows this, but uh, we quite frequently use that Futurama reference in uh, here in the studio. Of, uh, it's like, like a, a daily, daily
1: This reference. guy hates
0: Ventoy. Get him. No, no, no. I was picking my nose. No, he's picking his nose. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, imagine if Jeff built a company for virtualization in 20 years. Yeah, but I just talked about I don't need that kind of stress in my life anymore. <sighs> right. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's about it. Hey, Craft, been a while since I've been able to catch the stream. The channel has grown so much these past couple of years. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Custom PC Gamer. Yeah, uh, we just crossed two hundred eighty-five. In fact, two hundred eighty-six thousand subscribers, like yesterday. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, we're coming right along. It's uh, been a heck of a journey, and plan to be here for at least another five years. So
1: there we go.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, that I think is going to do it for episode 258 here on Craft Computing. Oh, one last. You got it in just in the nick of time. I was in my outro. Alice with a $5 super chat. I know you weren't big on the 8-bit retro stuff. I am, but I don't do a lot of videos on it. But it sounds like David Murray is about to start shipping the first batch of uh, Commander X16 Mobos. Ooh. Ooh, Commander X16s. What was that project doing? Because I know of like the Super 8-bit... Um oh this is the Commodore clones. That's right.
1: Oh yeah, we were That's just talking right. about that. Yeah, no, yeah.
0: I, I actually yeah, no, I, I read a story about that and actually may have received an email about that. Um but no, uh yeah, the, the Commander X16, which is the open source uh Commodore 64 clones, uh are coming to market. Uh I was actually just doing a bit of research on the Super 8 bit, which is the Nintendo Famicom mm-hmm. uh from scratch <laughs> clone. Uh, that you can solder together at home yourself and get modern, I say modern, but like scart and VGA and compo- or component outputs from it, RGB outputs from it. You can get uh, all four sound channels enabled. Uh, so you can get like the Castlevania f- uh, 3, four channel audio enabled. You can get the microphone so you can talk to your original Zelda game. Um, all in a little package that, you know, you can build yourself. And so um, I'm definitely into, like, niche projects like that. Um, would I ever cover them on this channel? No, I don't think so, because I think I've developed my audience to be a certain type of niche, and I need to fill that certain type of niche. But it doesn't mean I'm not interested. So Maybe Craft uh, Extra. Right, maybe Craft Extra or... You know, I'm still not afraid to do the odd video on on off-the-wall things. Like, if if it's interesting to me enough, then it's definitely something I will do. Like, I've done everything from, like, knockoff Game Boy Advance cartridges to Bluetooth speakers to chairs to sit-stand desks. Like, I've done a lot of different weird things on the channel, and if it's something I find interesting, I'm willing to cover it. Now, that being said, like, if I've covered the same OEM project or product out of random email number three, I'm not going to cover it out of random email 33 because, well, half of the display, half of the like portable monitors that are on the market are the same portable monitor. Um, I was talking to uh, Tom over at Lawrence Systems about this where uh, he's been randomly sent like seven 15 inch 1080p portable displays. And they're literally all the exact same casing, controls, firmware, panel, everything, except for the logo that's slapped on the front of it. Yeah. So, but review one of those. Hey, here's a use case for it. Go, go crazy. Like, like I'm not outside of esoteric and weird use cases either. So who knows? Anyway. This is gonna do it for episode 258 here on Craft Computing. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Drop this video a like, leave a comment down below. Let us know what your favorite part of this video was, what news stories you want us to expand on, if you need us to make any specific videos on anything. Uh, and if you want to support the channel because you like the content that we do here, subscribe to the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you get exclusive access to the Discord server, and every contribution literally helps me keep the lights on around here and keeps roofs over Rhett and mine's heads.
1: Keeps my hat looking nice.
0: That's right. Yeah, don't want <laughs> to rain down this time of year. No, nah, no. Mess with your style. You know it, baby. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching this one. And as always, we'll catch you next week. Cheers, everyone.